Well, it is episode 16 here of the Cherokee Rewind. I am Mick. We thank you so much for hanging out with us. And, of course, well, we always go, like to go all over the place wherever we uh, pull names and try to get guys on here that do, to do this that played in a Cherokee uniform. And this time around, we're going to go to the Florida. We're going to go to Florida, to the Sunshine State. And we are going to say hello to one Mr. Nick Nappy. And, well, Nick, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Nick. How you doing? You know, I got a pulse. I opened up my eyes today, and I didn't see dirt, so it's a good day. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, let's talk here a little bit. I mean, you're a you're a, a Floridian by birth, and let's be honest, Florida is not what is known as a a traditional hockey hotbed, but it's now starting to pick up steam as far as being popular. Uh, obviously, with the NHL and minor league teams that are in 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 play here in Florida. Uh, tell me okay. what what is it that got you really interested in this game? Um. Well, to start out, when I was younger, I always wanted to play football. I wanted to be a linebacker, but um, I always wanted to play tackle football. But my mom wouldn't let me play, so they had me playing flag football. And this is what about when I was like five. And um. My dad, I, I didn't even know, he signed me up for uh, foot hockey, just like street hockey, and then a tennis court, and um, I was pretty good at it, and then uh, when I got in third grade, my buddy, it was like, uh, it's like learning how to skate class, it was like some summer activity, and um, he wanted me to do it with him, so I did it with him, and then I just kept on going from there, and ended up playing... My dad's from New York, so he kind of had an influence to put me in the hockey from anywhere. Okay, so, uh, but still, the idea being that for you, how did it uh, get to where you wanted to get serious about hockey? I mean, where where did you start playing on the ice? Uh, well, I, he, my dad just put me in rec hockey, basically. I started playing rec um, when I think I was eight, when I got on the ice, and uh then I went to uh, high school after rec, and then uh, my junior year of high school is where uh, it kind of got a little bit more serious. I uh, got picked up to a U16 single-A team, but then I moved to the U16 uh, double-A team of the Tampa Bay Elite with uh, Chris Verasoli as the coach. Who was the coach? Chris Verasoli. He's, um, he's a, a, a skilled development guy down here. Oh, okay. he's, a, he's a big name down in Florida. He works with... Uh, it used to be the skill development um, for, like, the new guys that come in for the training camp for the Lightning. Okay, very good. Now, you know, playing what, I mean, did you ever think did, that, you know, once you're playing U16, how much did, what was the thought process about maybe I could play juniors? Honestly, I, I really, I was basically done with hockey after high school. Um, but uh, one of my rec hockey coaches, uh, Mike Downey, I don't know if you've uh, heard of him. He's yeah, I have. Scouts now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like the Midwest scout or something like that. Yep. Um, but uh, he was my he was my rec coach when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13. And um, I saw him at a lightning game one night, like after like, I was done uh, out of high school. And um, just like graduated. And uh, he was like, you should be playing junior hockey. And um, I called him up, and he's like, hey, like, I know a team. 
but he's actually from Toledo. Mm-hmm. So uh, I gave him uh, my number and I called him up, and um, we were talking, and he actually helped me get ready to go to Toledo. And said, "You know, it's Brandy," and uh, so he set everything up with Brandy, and then got me a tryout. And that, and that, it basically, I, I was only drying out for Toledo. Like if, if I didn't make Toledo, I was gonna go back and go to work. Mm-hmm. Back home in Florida, but I ended up making it. Well, you know, and it's funny because I mean, what positions did you play coming through? You know, growing up and coming through till you got to juniors. Uh, I, I was only really a forward. I couldn't really. I wasn't the best at uh, defense. Getting backwards not really one of my strong points. But uh, <laughs> no, I was always a forward. Um, but mainly center, actually. Wow. I actually played a lot of center in uh, Toledo too. So. Now, uh, what years did you play in Toledo? I played uh, the 2015-2016, then 2016-2017, and then 2017-2018. Okay. So, essentially, I saw you through pretty much your career. Uh, And I always remember you because the one neat thing about you, Nap, you were always approachable. If if by chance you didn't uh, get in the lineup that game, you weren't afraid to come up and uh, talk to me and, you know, just uh, do interviews with me and stuff. And uh, I, yeah, they had me, I had videotape and, and talking to you. I remember that. Oh, yeah. So it was like it was kind of a uh, natural thing there. To, as long as you were there hanging out, you might as well get a little get a little mug time. <laughs> well, Nick, uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, you you were uh, um I guess a lot of people think of you as a quote-unquote tough guy, but you were never a guy who struck me as, you know, the, my way to get through hockey is by trying to beat people up. Uh, you look, you always seem to me like the type of guy that you wanted to uh, try and basically create opportunities not only for yourself but especially for your line mates. I couldn't really shoot the puck, so I try to pass it more. But um, no, I think I have more of my playmaking. I, I grew up watching like Samuel uh, Caverlay, Maurice Saint Louis, and I know most of the guys grew up uh, in Toledo watching like Gatsby. But I grew up like watching Saint Louis, and he, he was more of a playmaker. And uh, I think that's why like that's why I've already like idolized. So like I kind of maybe I've already played like him. Like I'll, I'll throw passes where like I know there's a guy, but I'm not even looking there. And like sometimes I do like fifty-fifty, so it works and it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, that's that's life, isn't it? But uh, you know, <laughs> I um, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember, uh, you know, when you got to Toledo? What was it like uh, for you when you first met guys like Kenny Miller and Todd Omi? Um. Well, uh, I actually talked. Kenny called me. Um, I was in Indiana. I, we went, my grandma was in Indiana, so we went to Indiana the week of tryouts, like, uh, and then we drove over to Toledo. But uh, he called me the night before, and um, he, he, he kind of a real good guy. He talked to me, and, like, he basically just told me what they're looking for, and just come out and just play in the tryout, how, like, just play hockey. And, um, yeah, more or less, that's all. You know, uh, did, what did, uh, what were your own personal expectations going in? What did you think about as far as what you were going to try and do as a as a potential Cherokee player? Um, 
like a giant. Like ah, yeah. I went in. I, I was just trying to show my art of physical force. I could. I would, I'm not scared because I, I I didn't know anything about the MA3 or anything about it. So all I knew was like a tough league. So I just wanted to go show that I could throw my body and play hockey at the same time. I wasn't scared to hit. Mm. No, uh, I don't know. I, I think in a giant. I think I was going for bogey a lot. <laughs> David Bogart. This is the tough guy going after the big guy. Oh, of course. Now, what? Uh, yeah. Now, of course, you're not you're not a small guy. So, I mean, when you walk in that locker room and you see the likes of a David Bogart, uh, did you think, okay, um, I've got to show that I can do this, or did you think, okay, hey, I got there's someone here that I can also count on that if I need uh, need backup, I've got it. You know, now, Nick, uh, you know, I was thinking, too, when you played, you know, you were a guy who, for you, it was uh, it was a numbers game. It was, you know, sometimes you were in the lineup, sometimes you weren't. And uh, it's it was one of those things. What did you do to keep yourself um, determined to uh, and, and energized to keep going with this? Because it's not an easy thing when – Sometimes you're not able to get into the lineup because of the lineup that we had. Yeah, the, the first year, um, I, I got hurt the first year. So I, I didn't really get scratched. I got scratched in playoffs the first year. But, um, and even the coach even told me, I went in and I had a meeting with them the second game uh, when we were going back. I think we were going back to uh, West Michigan, actually. And um, Kenny told me, he goes, uh, he goes, just be ready. And, and that's the thing. I, I knew it was whatever the team wanted, like I, whatever the coaches wanted to do. It was more or less like if they saw that I was working that week, they put me in. I, I know if I was working hard enough, they put me in. So I was never really too worried about not being in because if I wasn't in that week, I knew the next week I was going to go get myself back into the lineup. That's very true. <clears throat> now, uh, when you played your first game in a Cherokee uniform, what went through your mind? Uh, did were you nervous? Were you anxious? Um. Well, the, the first one. Well, remember we had that. Uh, the first time we had like a uh, it was in Wooster. It was like that three team tournament. Oh yeah. It was. We played, yeah, that was the first time. And yeah, I, I knew right then when I played that game, I knew it was definitely going to be a lot different base from what I was used to playing in high school for hockey and even U16 double-A. Wow. So when, okay, so you get to play some. Uh, do you remember your uh, first goal? Yeah, my first goal was actually against the Metro Jets that year. We actually beat them that game, too. Um, it might have been the first time we ever we ever played them, uh, I had an assist and a goal. I assisted. I was playing on the second line that game with uh, Ricky Quapich and Nolan Stanley. Oh yes. And um, Quap and Stanley. Yeah, Ricky, we, me and Ricky Quapich went on a two-on-one, 
he passed me the puck, and I actually fell when I shot it. And I slammed the board, so I heard the horn go off. And then I saw all the boys coming up. John and Tommy, they even tell me, they're like, you should have seen your face when we told you you scored. I didn't even know the puck was going in. I was worried about the boards coming up on me. Oh, man. That's funny. But, uh, I mean, gee whiz. Now, that had to be interesting. Now, uh, who uh, were were they your regular line mates back then, or did you kind of uh, uh, interact? No, that, I, I, I moved back. Um, I, my my most normal line mate was Daryl uh, Kuczynski. Oh, yeah. Cooch? Yeah, uh, my buddy. Cooch, and who else? Uh, at first, it was... Um, it was me, Daryl, and uh, Alec Walmy. Yep. And then it went to, then it was like me, uh, Walmy, and Revitar. And, and there's a whole bunch of people that got thrown up there and us moved up. I think uh, sometimes we would play with, um, who we play with? Yeah, it was me, yeah, me Stanley, and uh, Walmy would play too. Yeah, because yeah, I had a whole bunch of different lines. Well, the thing was is back then too, uh, you and I mean basically you and, and Ethan Resedar were pre- were pretty much interchangeable. Uh, you guys, I mean, you guys, you guys kind of looked alike. Uh, you guys both had those high numbers. You were forty four. He was, I think, what seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you both basically played the uh, same style of hockey. I mean, he wasn't afraid to go. Uh, into the corners either or, or go in front of the net and take the abuse or anything like that. He was willing to do whatever it took, and you were kind of yeah, both it, the it, same. It, it's fast, too. Yeah, it is. It's very. Uh, now, when you played, um, when when you did it, did it matter who you played with as far as the way that you played? Like, for example, playing with Quapich and uh, and those guys, did it matter how you played then versus – how you played with Walney or Stan or Cooch? Uh, not, not really. Well, like if like, I was on the ice, like I, like rarely ever with like Seabob and Turner and all that. It's nice. But like I actually was on the ice one time. Uh, we, uh, we I was on the fourth line and we were supposed to we were changing up. So Seabob and Turner got on and I was going off for Snipes and uh, I went up to Rush and I actually scored with the first line. I came back and I was like, I was playing with first line. But uh, not really, more or less. I did the same thing, just going that hard. And that, that, more, when I'm playing with first line, I'm definitely trying to pass the puck. But when I'm playing on my fourth line or third line, I, I would just be trying to get the puck deep and chasing it. Well, you know, let's talk about that after, during that first year. What was the locker room like? What was the personality of the locker room? What, uh, what kind of things did you have to do as a rookie that you were like, okay, fine, this is uh, part of being a rookie? Um, it, it, it wasn't that bad. Everybody on that team really liked each other. Like there was no, there was never ever like any tension on that team. Um, everybody, literally everybody got along. Like the locker room was always pretty much in a good mood. Everybody smiling and laughing. We had a lot of funny characters on that team. Well, tell me we about had, that. Like, we had like Shay Crawford. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Goodwin. <laughs> he was hilarious. Uh, Dane Goodwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had guys like Mick uh, Paps. Oh yeah. And then of course like Daryl 
John Mullins, and then Summers. We had a lot of good guys on that team. So what uh, what was it like? I mean, did you guys do any kind of crazy practical jokes on each other, or did, was it pretty much just good cut-ups? Uh, nothing, nothing too bad. Just maybe the tilter on the hotel uh, room door in the morning where you put the water in the garbage bucket and tilt it up on the door. What we call and, wieners. Uh, nothing. Yeah, I think Mo, Mo was the worst. Mo would always, he would go take the water bottles and open them up on us and try to get the rookie by first year. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Mo's Mo's been known to do a, do a thing or two, but uh, yeah. now uh, who was the bigger? Who would you say was the biggest prankster on the team at that in that first year? Prankster? Uh, I don't know. I probably handbone Ben Hamilton. Hmm. He's probably the sneakiest guy on the team. <laughs> what kind of stuff would he do? But uh, I remember he was a uh, already on when we would play um, fantasy hockey. He would always be making these crazy trades with people, oh, and because we, we would put like a ten dollars into it, so it got pretty serious. I remember Kyo uh, would play with us too. Kyo made us change all the rules though because he got mad at us. <laughs> nice. Now, uh, now did you guys? Uh, I mean, I've I've heard uh, the occasional story from time to time where. Uh, did you guys ever do any crazy uh, stuff on the bus? I mean, did was were there any uh, like rookie talent shows or anything of that sort that you guys did? That... Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Some, we had to sing sometimes. Uh, basically, yeah, more or less like when we would chew check, then we couldn't do it at the restaurant. We would, we would sing on the bus. But uh, I think Smitty sung a lot. I think Smitty made a song one time. Josh Smith. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was, um... It was Hammerquest, the goalie. Ah, Jeremy Hammerquest. Yeah, Hammer Time. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he made, like, a song for us one time on Christmas. It was pretty funny. Huh. I don't remember it, but, yeah. But, now, um... <clears throat> Tell me, tell me, you know, something about some of the guys that you were on that team that year that you remember about them. Um, like, you know, you talked you talked about Smitty. Tell me about Josh Smith. What was he like? Josh Smith, uh, that's like the nicest guy definitely on the team. And he was the one that he could always get picked on, but he would always like have a smile on his face. And he would, pick, he would always try to pick right back at you. He was always a good guy. And Smitty was always someone to go to if you needed something serious. Okay, and uh, how about, uh, let's see, Ricky Kwapic. Ricky Kwapic. Ricky yeah, Rick, me and Ricky got pretty close. Um, the first time I fought, uh, I, I, I was some guy on Metro, because I'm fighting like number eight or something, and uh, Ricky goes, he goes, that guy can actually fight, you know, Bogey fought him. I was like, all right, I'm going to fight him. And then he would always, he would always just tell me like things like that. More or less, always be in my ears, tell me to watch my back and not do anything stupid. Ah, well, that's a good thing, man. And of course, uh, yeah. you got uh, guys like uh, Zay Crawford, Isaiah Crawford. Who, speaking of number eight, <laughs> uh, that, that is one of the funniest guys. I was really happy when he 
time he came to our team. Uh, he's, a, he's a real fucking freaking good guy. Um, yeah, I think he's in the ECHL right now, isn't he? Well, uh, SPHL. Or, or is he, yeah, or the SHL, yeah. Yeah, if he's but in he, the... I, knew, I think he had, he had something with the comments going on, I saw that. Indiana comments or something the like that. The Fort Wayne comments? Or no, Indiana, no. Indianapolis. That's the yeah, fuel. Yeah, Indianapolis yeah, fuel. Okay, well that's a good He's thing. Yeah. So good for him. I, you know, I know he was with Menor when uh, when Dunk was coaching them. Ian Duncan, and in the yeah, FHL. I, I think I'm pretty sure he's still there. I see him. He's, I see he's, he's working out definitely in summer. So I know he's gonna play summer this year. Yeah, and then after uh, after yeah. they parted, Ian and Ian and the team parted company. I know Brody went to Columbus in Columbus, Georgia in the SPHL. I saw he went to the River Team. Oh, yeah, I like being in Georgia. Yeah, Columbus River Dragons, whatever they are. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's where Brody went to. But um, Isaiah, I'm trying to remember. I'm sure I'll hear about it. He'll tell me uh, when he hears this. But yeah. uh, anyway, um, you know, and the other thing, too, is uh, there always seemed to be a real genuine uh, closeness with this team. There didn't seem to be like much in the way of clicks. There, I mean, you guys all seem to really is have a strong personality of of camaraderie, and that's something that you don't always see in a team. I mean, you'll have guys that, that everyone says, "Okay, yeah, let's go," but they get along better with some guys better than others. And they hang out with some guys more than they did others. But you guys seem to genuinely really uh, get along, uh, not only with each other, but with, I mean, I'm not saying it was all sunshine and bunny rabbits, but, I mean, you guys pretty much got along really well, not only with each other, but with the coaching staff. And, uh, I mean, tell me a little bit about, like, what it was like working with uh, Todd Omi. time so yeah he he's 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 learned the ropes that's for sure and so is kenny kenny is a really good coach too now of course as uh as a younger guy i'm guessing that uh who did, were you more as far as the teams that you followed growing up were you more 
uh, more towards New York, or were you more towards the Lightning and everything in Florida? Oh, no, I grew up with the Lightning. I was definitely all Lightning. My dad would take me to uh, Lightning games. We would go, um, when the Lightning were real bad in, like, 06 and 07, we would go down there, and uh, we would get, like, bottom row tickets for, like, $15 off the street. Wow. And that's how I, and, and we would go almost every night. We would go to every game for, like, $15, 20 so that's, that's how I like, really got into hockey. I think more or less was going to the games with my dad every night. Like even if it was a school night, we would be back at like eleven o'clock, so it wasn't too bad. Man, now tell me, who did you bill it with when you were here in Toledo? Um, the, I built it with Daryl actually, and then I um, built it with uh, Stephanie. I forgot her last name. It's um, Todd Omi's neighbor. Uh, but the first year, the second year, I built, the first year I built with um, some people I knew, and they gave me a uh, it was an apartment. Uh, or they, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a studio apartment, uh, like in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was in a neighborhood called Fox Creek, and um, but more or less the boys came over there almost every night. I probably had like six or seven guys at my place almost every night when I was up there the first year. But then. Uh, I wanted to live with Daryl Kuczynski. I was saying, so I moved down in their basement for the season. And then uh, Caribbean made me move. And their program's really good. There's a lot of good billets out there. That a lot of, I know a lot of guys have a lot of good billets. Everybody, I don't think anybody ever complained really about the billets when uh, I was in Toledo, at least. Well, that's always a good thing. Yeah, I, I've known, uh, like I say, Kuczynski, his family, they're all good people, you know, so. Okay. Yep, so no question about that. Now, um, tell me about what uh, that was like, though, as far as uh, moving up here and essentially being on your own as a, as a young man like that, at that young of an age. That had to be a little bit of a transition for you or at least a little bit of a learning experience. It definitely was a little bit different, but once I got up there and, like, when I met C-Bob, Turner, Bogey, I was basically, and like, uh, Furby, uh, Nick Roboski, and like, all of those guys, like, they, they put me underneath their wings, more or less, and like, helped me out, like, Campbell, Van Hamilton, all, all of those guys really helped me out a lot. So, and they were with, like, Daryl and Nolan's family, they were all with me, basically, all, all the time. So, what was a day off like for you when uh, you were here, uh, and you guys had some time to yourself a little bit? I mean, what did you do? Uh, Basically, I, I worked a little bit. I worked at the rink a little bit. Um, and I've had just different jobs. Just, uh, I, I did the snow plowing thing. I only did it twice. Um, but I didn't really do too much. Uh, but I fished a lot. I, did, uh, I was really big in the walleye run. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the Mommy River. Yeah, I really like that. So, I mean, uh, how, how often did you get to fish there? Uh, was it pretty consistent or not too much? Yeah, I would, I would go there probably in a week. If we had games on Friday, we were going on a road trip. I'd probably go four or five times before we had a leave on Friday. Wow. That's... I would eat the walleye, actually. I would bring them home and cook them. So, well, I was going to say, if you grew up with that in, in Florida – Cleaning, cleaning them up, and and getting ready to, and being able to uh, cook them and and everything. Now, of course, being the big fish guy that you are, 
what is your favorite type of fish to fish for? Um, uh, right, I'm actually I'm actually in my truck right now. I'm actually going tarpon fishing. That's probably it's a sport fish down here. They they get real big. They uh, but when you hook them, they jump a lot. So that's probably my favorite one to catch. You can just go watch them jump. Yeah, I, I haven't even ever really landed too many of them. Wow. But they're just fun when you hook them. They, they they'll jump for like five ten minutes if you get them hooked good. They wear you out, huh? Do they, they they give you that kind of a challenge? Yeah, you'll catch one big one. Like the first one I ever hooked, I was in a kayak when I was like fourteen, and it, it pulled me a good probably like five hundred yards out on a shipping chain. I had to paddle all the way back. Wow! And I made sure I snapped that line and paddled back. I didn't want to go any further than that. Holy smokes! Now, I mean, uh, so obviously, you know, being that fishing is such a big part of your life. Uh, I that I think it's safe to say that you are perfectly happy where you are in Florida and have I mean when you finished your career in Toledo you went back home but you didn't just like give up hockey altogether you went to school and started playing hockey there tell me about that Yeah I came down and um when I left Toledo I was basically done with hockey and uh I didn't think anything about it but my buddy he played on the D2 team down there and um, he just told me, like, you should, because, like, I, I was going there because they have a, a construction management program there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was even going to get into the school in the first part. And um, But I applied, and I was able to get in. And uh, I got in, and uh, my buddy told me, like, hey, join for the hockey team. You, you go you make the D3 team. You go maybe you make the D2 team. So I tried it out, and I, I ended up making the D3 team. And, uh... The first year was really good. The second year, we, it wasn't really that good at all. But the first year, we had a really good team. We went up 23 and 1. And then uh, we went up to Na- uh, in Texas for nationals, and we lost. Uh, I think we came in like 9 in the state. But we had a pretty good team that year. Definitely for, we were definitely like the power of Florida hockey in uh-huh. uh, the first season I played. We, had, I, we, we lost against a team that only won like four games through the whole season. Oh my! Yeah. Now, yeah, it, was a, it was a pretty fun team to be on. Now, what? Uh, how how long did you play at FCU? Uh, I played uh, last year and the year before that, and now I'm done playing hockey. Okay. Well, now, uh, how has the transition been as far as you know realizing that your competitive days are done, and you are you know as far as playing goes. And now you're just adjusting to quote unquote a regular normal life. Uh, has it been an adjustment giving up the game like that? Yeah, I'm. I'm almost. I don't really play hockey anymore. I got in too much trouble playing beer league when I came back, so I gave up playing beer league. And uh, but now last I uh, I helped out one of my um. You know, it was actually my boss. Uh, his son uh, took up hockey, and he's actually uh, pretty good right now. So I've been helping him out. And that's more of a factor on the game. Well, have you? Are you looking maybe, perhaps, to seeing uh, uh, doing coaching in the, in your future? Is that something you might want to look into? I actually, I actually did coach at high school. Um, uh, it was just, uh, my alumni team. I coached them for uh, it was just like their spring league. They had uh, three games, and they asked me to come out, and I did uh, their three practices, but. Um, they uh they told me they want me to come out and fall, so I, I do have that opportunity, but I, I don't know if I really want to do that yet. Make another commitment. You're still enjoying fishing too that. much. Yeah, 
nice to have your weekend free. <laughs> I thought so. Right, that's, let's let's be honest. That's the truth. You really do. You love fishing. You're passionate about it. And uh, uh, you uh, now, how about now between work and everything? How often do you get out on the water to fish? I basically fish almost every day. Um, after work, I get off around four or five, and I'll I'll come out my boat uh, at the house on the water, and uh, we don't have a boat yet, so I keep my boat there. So I, I can get right out here and go on the water. Basically, like I said, I'm going out right after we get off the phone tonight. So I'm on the water almost probably like five, six, straight out of the week. Wow. And that's, like I say, that's dedication, that's passion for what you love, what you love doing. Now, um, let's talk here about what it is that you hope to, um, You what, what do you have any... Do you have any um, like thoughts about where the game the game has changed any for you at all, and how you view it when you watch uh, when you watch I, hockey now? Well, I, I, I barely can with the younger kids. I barely can even play. Like my last year, the coach didn't want to put me on the team, and he ended up getting fired. But it, it, I guess the game's completely different. I don't know. But I had uh, the first season. I didn't play too much either. We had a really good team, but um, I was on like a six uh, game. They only put me in for six games, but like every game I played, I, I had a goal. And uh, then uh, the season ended, and I, I think I ended up with like six goals, eight assists in like nine games. And um, then next year, the coach didn't want to put me on the team because he only he wanted to use all these like young guys like, with all speed and skill. So like that's why I, I basically couldn't even play hockey anymore. It was my way. We could always play just like gritty more or less. Mm. Well, um, let me ask you something now. Uh, as far as uh, who was the team that you, when you played for Toledo, who was the team that you uh, really got up for because they were a big rival to you? Um, definitely Metro. I like playing Southern Tears. I don't care when we played there. I, they had that real big ring, so it was always fun to play against them. I really score against Southern Tears for some reason. Hmm. But Metro, Metro is definitely the most intense games. Those are definitely the best hockey games I've ever played in with some of the Metro games. Wow. Especially the first year, too. You know, you know the funny thing is, though, Nick? I got, I got to tell you. Uh, being that I've been, I've been around that team, I was around that team for 20 seasons, it wasn't until earlier in that decade in, in the, in that when they left the NA3HL and or left the CHL and moved to the NA, it was, they used to be a very um, unsuccessful team. They did not have a good record. Uh, you could always, you could always usually count on them putting up a good fight, but they would always run out of steam at the end and you would beat them. And we beat them for a long time. And, then it's like right around the, I'd say probably 20, I can't remember exactly when, but like 2012, maybe 2013, they started to turn things around and started getting better and better. Uh, the only team that, I mean, yeah, the only team that was like a, like a stud team that they had was back in 2002, and that was because they had, uh, you talk about the Lightning, John Cooper was their coach. 
at, at Metro. Yeah, he was he was the Metro yeah. coach, and he won a national championship with them uh, in uh, 2002. So, you know, and he only coached that one year for them. But still, that was the one year that they had. And then, you know, after he left, it was kind of, like I say, they went through some really tough years and everything. So by the time that they came around in the, you know, the teens, and uh, uh, it was just like, who are these guys? And I think a lot of it had to do when they moved from uh, East Waterford to Frazier. Yeah, yeah, it is. They're matter of fact, they're getting a minor league hockey team in the FHL as well coming up this year. Oh, they? Yeah, they're gonna. Have, they're called. I think they're the uh, Motor City Rockers. They're gonna be called, and uh, so they'll be up there. Yeah, but go ahead. That was another one of my favorite places to go. Was Frazier. That's a cool stadium. Yeah, it's. Uh, you didn't. You You didn't see. You didn't play them in East Waterford, did you? No, I didn't. You consider yeah, yourself I heard lucky. You talk about it before, yeah. Yeah, consider yourself lucky. Oh my gosh, and it was funny because I was talking about it, and then Josh Smith, Smitty, gets a hold of me, and he's like, "Why are you running down my rink? That's my home rink." Yeah, so, he, he was a big. Yeah, I looked. I finally, so I said, "Okay, Mister Jet," you know, and he started <laughs> laughing. But I mean, it was like. Oh my gosh, that place was just, it was so brutally cold. I mean, you couldn't come inside from a, in the middle of February and warm up. You, you froze. Oh, I, I was bad at the ice house. I think I would walk in that rink and I would literally have to sit on my bench in my, or in my stall for about a good, like 10 minutes. I would, I would come in there, I would put my other jacket, I would leave in there. I would put that on, I would just sit there frozen. Well, that's Everything a, was practice. Yeah. I, I never got used to it. I really never got used to it. You know what the funny part is? is that as cold as it was in the ice house, you had to multiply it by about maybe five, and that's how cold it was in East Waterford. It was. Yeah, it was. I mean, you you would be sitting in the stands, and you would see your breath. Uh, it was just bitter cold up there. And so that's why, to me, that was always the my least favorite rink to go to. Even though the Jets weren't back then weren't that good, I didn't care. I'd rather, I'd rather not. I just didn't like that place up there. But it was uh, off M fifty nine, up in, in the heart of the state. But still, it was just bitter cold. And now, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah. Southern Tier probably had. I would say probably had the nicest barn. Uh, and Fraser probably right behind it. But of course, those were both minor league barns. Those were both minor league barns for so long, so it's you know you know that those complexes are going to be you know built with that in mind, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. I uh, who was what was the who was the team that you were like oh gosh, and didn't really and really kind of not dread playing them, but you were just like oh boy, this is going to be tough. Rowling Rooster. Nick Verbowski, Nick Verbowski would always get really scared before we played them. Why? Because <laughs> he would think he's going to get hurt. He would say he wants to drive up in an ambulance. Oh, jeez. They, they were really they were, <laughs> they were really rough that year. No, but, uh, yeah, but I would have to say probably Wooster and Metro again. Wow. I, I like playing against Wooster personally, but I know a lot of guys, they hated playing against Wooster. Well, they were always so they were always so chippy and and and, and physical, yeah. you know. They would. Uh, I, I, the, the 
first game, my first junior game was against Rooster, and I actually fought my first junior game against uh, Kreitz. Oh yeah, I remember that guy Kreitz. Yeah, uh, and he, yeah, that was uh, that was a scrappy bunch, and their coach. I mean, it was kind of funny, you know, I, he and I had a conversation and, you know, I'd be actually got along with him pretty good. His name of all things, Aaron Hernandez, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he said, yeah, try being a, a a hockey coach. He goes, number one, I'm uh, he goes, I'm Hispanic. He goes, being a hockey coach and and being Hispanic is, is one thing bad. No, he goes crazy. He goes, it's uh, not something that people are used to seeing, but he goes, what makes it even crazier is the fact that, you know, my name is the same name of a a, a guy who was a convicted yeah, killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Con- so he goes, yeah. So I just kind of, uh, I just, hey man, you know, but it is what it is. But uh, he was he was a good guy, man. He was I got along with them pretty well. He was a good dude. But uh, Wooster, yeah, he always had those guys being a, a real physical, chippy bunch. He always uh, had them very aggressive, and they they always they always gave Toledo a battle. You know, they just did. No matter what their record was. Yep. So now, uh, and plus, the only thing I didn't really like, they played in a nice rink. Uh, was at the Alice Noble Arena? But it was. Yeah, I remember. It, it, it was an okay rink. It, it was a very simple rink. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't. I mean, trust me, it wasn't. It, if, if you would have gone to East Waterford, you would have said it's a great rink. <laughs> but just yeah. in comparison. But uh, no, the thing that I always didn't like about Wooster, it's not. There's no easy way to get there. There's no direct. Uh, yeah, the first time, the first time we ever went there on the bus, we got like almost like we went down like we were in like cornfield back roads. It took us a long time. We took a weird way the first time. But yeah, I always think you're always in the middle of nowhere, basically. When you look out the window when you're driving a Wooster. Yeah, and there's no direct way to get there, so you got to kind of be careful of what you're doing. And watch where you're going because you can get lost real easy. And the other thing I remember about that is Wooster is not too far from Mansfield. And it's right down the road from Mansfield. And Man- the penitentiary is there where they filmed uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of trivia there for you. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that was da- out that way. And uh, I just... Uh, for some reason, I don't know, because originally Wooster was originally in Cleveland. They were the Cleveland uh, Lumberjacks, and I remember that because they played out of Strongsville, which is a suburb of Cleveland, right out, uh, like, real close to it. You know, it was a, basically a nice suburb, a real nice suburb. And they uh, they played out of Strongsville. They played out of, I'm trying to think of where else, around in and around Cleveland. They played a couple places, but essentially it was primarily strongsville and they used to play in a barn i'm not kidding it had no seats uh it had literally i mean literally no seats they had i i think uh a couple of picnic tables in there and they had uh, all the money was put into the soccer field that was built as part of the complex and then it was owned the the people that ran it uh also, in addition to having, they had a little, uh, uh, I guess, snack bar there. And and then the other big complex part, of it was like a multi-complex uh, thing where, like I said, they got the soccer field, indoor soccer. Oh, they, yeah. they had the ice rink. 
and then they had a uh, Baptist church, and you could you could hear when we when we'd play Sunday, you know, we'd play play them Saturday night, and then we'd have to go back at like noon or whatever to play them play Cleveland. And, Sunday morning in. Yeah, get yeah. We'd go Sunday morning for a noon face-off, and the place would be vibrating because the uh, the Baptist church was going. The service would be going, and yeah. you, you could hear everybody just clapping and yeah, stomping. Clapping. <laughs> and it was just crazy. They were just, uh, like I say, just uh, stomping and clapping and everything and stuff. Really getting into it. And they had uh, in the snack bar, you could actually watch the service. And so you've seen all these folks clapping and going along. Yeah, it was hilarious. The snack bar actually had good food. I remember that. I mean, St. Louis had the best snack bar, but Cleveland had good had a good snack bar too. But uh, yeah, you'd go in there, and of course, most there was really hardly any parking spaces because it was and it was all like gravel and broken up. But it was funny because you would go in there. First thing you'd walk through is the is the soccer complex, and it's beautiful. I mean, the soccer part of it is beautiful. They put all the money in there. So you're thinking, okay, man, the ice must be pretty cool too. And you walk through it and you get over to the ice rink and it's like, uh, nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah, we played we play at some pretty poor, pretty bad rinks too. I think we played at one rink. I forgot, it was against Cincinnati. And like when we walked in, it was like, it was a basketball court. Like the, their players would walk like out of the rink and like up like in front of the entrance and then back through the other doors and then they would go like into a basketball court where they had like rubber pads and they would walk back to their locker room. But when we were there, uh, the board, it was like a roller coaster. They weren't even straight. They were going like up and down the whole way. Oh my gosh. That's funny. I mean, I I don't know. I can't even imagine what some of that some of that stuff would be like. I mean, now Cincinnati, they let's. I got to be honest. I love the people down there because uh, there were some really good guys that played that uh, were down there and stuff. Uh, I remember Lee Lands down. These are guys long before you, but uh, just different guys that uh, that were not only coaches but uh, players and and stuff. We, matter of fact. Uh, you know, we would play. We played them at three different barns. They had the. Uh, we played them in a place called Northlands, which was. Uh, I wouldn't go there if it was the last nuclear fallout shelter on Earth. It was. It, 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 let's put it this way: if you called it, if you called it a dive, that would be a compliment. Okay, that would that would be an, a, a step up. Uh, then they played, I believe, in the arena where the uh, Cincinnati Mighty Ducks played. They played in uh, where Xavier played basketball. Uh, yeah. They played there, and then they played at a place. It was basically a a, a Dave and Buster's on steroids. It was uh, called uh, Sportsplex uh, Plus. Oh, I, I think I know. I think I, I've seen something of that. I think I've seen a video of that. It's like in the middle of like a mall, more or less. Well, like a strip mall, yeah. Yeah. It's a strip mall and and they had and it's a really actually it's not like the worst place on earth but it was weird because they had uh instead of traditional, you know, uh walls and stuff, they the walls were all like hand painted murals all over the place. You they were there was yeah, they were it, it was like street art and you just you didn't you, you, yeah, you had not you just went in there and of course they had the roller hockey rink and then, of course, they had the area where it was all video games and whatnot. Then you had the Olympic sheet, and I believe then you also had the NHL size sheet. And the they neither one of them 
uh, were really anything to write home about. I just remember that I couldn't get this. Now, remember, this is before what Internet is now. But when we were at Sportsplex Plus, when I first started there, I had to, I bought a pair of walkie-talkies. Because when, when, we when we were in the rink, when we were in the rink, I had zero Internet, like uh, no signal, no Wi-Fi signal to speak of. And even my, I had my own stuff that I could, for uh, Wi-Fi, I had my own uh, computer and Wi-Fi card. Uh, so I didn't have to rely on them. Well, I could not get any signal whatsoever in, in, that, in that rink. So what I did was I took my computer into a back office where they had Internet, and I plugged it into their Internet, turned on my computer, fired up the, the, the software to, re, to broadcast the streaming, and then I would run over to the rink, and I took the walkie. I I hooked up one walkie-talkie to my computer, and I took the walkie-talkie <laughs> that I used to to do play-by-play. And I took it to over into the rink, and I would do play-by-play like that when we were streaming games, those road games, so that we could get the game out. And it was hysterical. The, thinking back on it, how really funny. How, how just how much we've changed. When uh, I mean, I I've told the story before about. When we played at Northlands, uh, they they had no very few seats, and it was picnic tables. I had to do play by play from a picnic table, and they had no locker rooms in the corners. They put uh, clotheslines uh, and put a, hung the sheets from them, and that was your locker room. It's, uh, yeah, uh, that would no. That was the CSHL, and then when it became the you know that was yeah that was the CSHL, and then things improved when when uh, it got to the NA three. You know, they, they like I said, uh, Sportsplex Puss, it, was, it wasn't, uh, it, 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 I mean, granted, it wasn't the Cincinnati Gardens, but you know what? It still was an okay place. They had good food. Everybody loved, all the parents loved it because you could get plenty of beer there. Uh, and, you know, so it was, uh, it, was all, it was all good fun for them, so they didn't mind it. Oh, Nick, I tell you what, it's, uh, it's been fun catching up with you, buddy. Uh, do you have any questions you have for me? Yeah, um, hey, I was wondering, you, you ever played uh, no. anywhere? Or? No, I did not. I, I only The only time I ever played was, believe it or not, at the Ice House back in 1975 when I was a, I was a peewee. So that tells you how old I am. I'm a fossil. But I played, I played house league there, and uh, they closed the ice, the ice house for a long time. It was it was put on mothballs. No one wanted to operate it, and basically it deteriorated. And they used it for batting cages. They used it, I think, for paintball. Uh, and then they, it just it was a flea market. And then in like I think it just went under for good at in about the late '80s. Well, in 2000, 2001, right around there, uh, several guys. Uh, I think Lee Ekman was part of that group as well. I know Mike Bin was. I'm trying to trying to remember who else. And Sap uh, decided to get involved. And essentially, long story short, uh, all the people involved they contribute. They probably ended up putting in about, I'd say, close to a million bucks worth of uh, work into renovating it to make it so that they could bring back hockey. Because we had all we had was Tam O'Shanner out in Sylvania. 
and the Cherokee used to play there. That was where they started. And there was only Yeah, there was only one sheet there at the time. And the high schools got all the good prime times and when we first started. And the thing was was that the the Cherokee would basically back then in the nineties, when they first started, they would get play all their home games in the front half of the season. And then in the latter part of the season it was mostly road games with maybe I'd say from Thanksgiving on, there was maybe no more than five games at home. All the rest of them were road games. And so, really? yeah. So they, because there was no room. Kenny was really good at you doing our schedule, I know. I'm getting a lot of home games at the end of the season. Yeah, home, yeah. Every year out of the a lot of, and then they're also usually uh, home and homes. So that's a good thing. You yeah. Know. That and, was real life. You know, so it's, uh, and what was funny is that, you know, after a while, we just got tired of it. And so, uh, Monroe, Michigan had a had a rink, and they didn't have any. They had a couple of high school teams, and they had some you know little guys playing and stuff. But they had uh, opportunity for us to go and play uh, our our move our junior team there. So we spent a couple seasons there, and it was fine. I mean, they were great to us and everything. I really liked it up there. But there wasn't much in the way of seating. It wasn't really where you could. And plus. We had teams in Detroit, uh, uh, Frazier. We had another team in near Plymouth. So we had like this seventy-five mile uh, radius that you could you weren't supposed to be, you know, one team within another. I think uh, Flint and uh, and the Motor City Chiefs are were the only exception that could have it back then. And but anyway, we were within that that circle. And so we had, so we moved back to Toledo once the ice house reopened, and we—that's where we've been ever since. So it's you know, so it's a little bit of a history lesson there. But yeah, that's where we've called home. They stuck some money into it, and uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been our home, and it always pro- hopefully will be. You know, I mean, the folks there that run it, I mean, God bless his soul, Sap did put his heart and soul into that place. And uh, really helped build that building to get it to where we could bring back hockey. I mean, there was a time in early 2000s that we literally had three junior programs out of that same rink. Yeah, we had the Cherokee, which was back then considered Junior B. We had the the Pittsburgh Forge won the national championship in the NAHL. And like the day after, they folded. And so they brought that team. Yeah, they brought that team to Toledo and they became the team Toledo ice diggers. And, and then uh, like, I think like a season or so later, the continental elite league was born and that's where uh, Mike Mankowski. And uh, I think Kenny Miller was with them for a little while, or they were with the, uh, with not with the Wolfpack, but they were with the uh, ice diggers. Well, the Wolfpack were the continental elite league and they were not USA hockey sanctioned. They were AAU. So, they uh, they were there for I think a season so yeah we had like three junior programs and of course in the NAHL you have to make money to be able to survive and you know they it was hard when you're in a minor league market you know a minor league hockey market and you've got three junior teams yeah it's it's uh, you know something's got to give so uh, that's when uh, Toledo Team Toledo Ice Diggers moved to Alpena Michigan up in the northern part of the lower the lower peninsula and became the Alpena Ice Diggers, and they were a hit up there. And Kenny 
Miller is moved up there. He went from Toledo with the yeah, Ice Diggers. He coached them. Yeah, he went up there and then, you know, eventually found his way back home and stuff. But yeah, that's how this all kind of came to be. So, but uh, yeah, I never played as far as competitively or anything like that. Uh, I was a, a, a football guy growing up and a pro wrestling guy. I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was a kid and, and stuff. My sister, my sister's best friend growing up when I was a little boy, her best friend was this like hottie and she dated a, a pro wrestler. And so I was like, I got to meet some of those guys and I wanted so bad. I wanted so bad. But the problem was I didn't have the discipline. I, uh, I fell in love with street life. Uh, you know, I wasn't always a, a, the saint that I am or try to be now. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, I made a few poor choices back then, but, uh, it, uh, yeah, true. I, yeah, I know, but you, you learn, you try to learn from them and, and just kind of plug along and do the more positive things going forward. And that's what I did. But I mean, still, it came at the cost of, you know, hockey. Uh, if I was going to make it, it was going to be as a hockey announcer. And so, you know, we're, and so when most people have a midlife crisis, they usually it's like they want to they like color their hair, buy a, a sports car like a vet or something when they're in their 40s to try and, uh, you know, relive the, re, you know, reignite that youth. Me, I decided I wanted to go to broadcasting school. <laughs> and even though I'm a, I, ha, I stutter, I have a slight stutter, I still wanted to go. And I, so I said, the heck with it. It's my midlife crisis. I'm going. So I did, and I worked on the stutter. It's, I still have it, especially when I'm in, uh, when I talk, when I'm doing oh, yeah, interviews. I, I don't hear it. Well, when I do, and you'll notice when I interview, people sometimes I'll stall. I'll kind of, uh, 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 that's I do that a lot, but it's still, you know, it's better than it used to be. It's a lot better than it used to be. So I, yeah, so it's, you know, it's something that I still, you know, it's, I'm okay with it though. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to go network, you know, I'm not trying to be on, on ESPN or, or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just content being here. I I like the podcast, mate. They're good. Well, they're fun. You know, know, well, they've all been fun. That's the thing, Nick. And having you on here has been a blast. I love hearing you tell these things, these stories about, what it's like to, uh, you know, be fishing down there in Florida and tackling those tarpons and everything else and, and you know, talking about your teammates and stuff. And that's the thing about this. Yeah, we laugh and we'll poke fun and stuff, but most of overwhelmingly this stuff is, is what I want it to be, and that's a positive experience for everybody. We'll laugh and, you know, have fun at, at, about stuff, but it's usually in a, in a positive way and, you know, that we could laugh and have some fond memories about what we did back in the day. And I'm okay with that. Yes, please. Yep. Well, I'll tell you I'm what. I'm okay with that too. I I, I know you are because you're you were always been a you were always a good character guy and a good team player and I always enjoyed you being in Toledo. I I honestly as, will tell you that you and Rasidar were I like two of my that. favorite guys back then because well, namely, like I say, you guys were the ones that you had no problem. You just took like like fish to water when you came up and would talk to me and stuff with interviews and stuff. I had guys that would uh, be like goal scorers that could light the lamp like nobody's business but when i put a microphone in front of them uh, um uh um uh uh and it'd be like pulling teeth 
but you know it's it works that way sometimes so you know i just like i said i just i love doing this having fun with it and it's my way of thanking you guys for doing what you did for not only for me but for the organization so you know that's that's where uh, that's I, think, I think everybody appreciates what you're doing well, I thank you. That means that that's that. See, that's the payoff for me. I'm not looking to get famous or rich or anything else off this stuff. It's my I, I like I said. I always it, for me, it's about gratitude, showing gratitude to the people that help me do what I do. And you were one of those people, and I'm grateful for that. Well, my friend, do you have anything else you want to say to Cherokee Nation before we call it a podcast? Um, nothing about everybody. Stay safe during this time. Well, yeah, hopefully I'll get back up there sometime and see everybody. I hope you do. I really do because we're we're like getting we're getting to where we're starting to want to work to get things off the ground with the alumni. We want the alumni to come back. I was telling I was telling somebody else that uh, we were you know we're trying to get this to where we want the alumni because the kids that are playing now we want them to understand. I mean, they I think they get the idea of what it means to be a Cherokee. But you don't appreciate it until after you've gone through the program and you're not playing anymore when you're working a, a steady job and providing well, and, yeah. you know, doing we, those things. We, like I said, I'm, I'm from Tampa and I was already saying I'm a Cherokee. Amen. Amen. You know, so that's why we're going to start. We're trying to get things together here so we can put together alumni games. We want to do our, for our fundraisers, we want to bring back Cherokee guys, just whether it's to sit in the stands and watch some of the current games and, you know, have a couple pops and tell tall stories, you know, things like that. We want to get the, the alumni back into the, into the picture here. And that's the goal with all of this too. So uh, I hope that, like I said, I hope we get to see you again here in the glass city and uh, be able to, uh, you know, say, hey, that was number 44. And, you know, like, you know so we, we look forward to someday doing that. So, Nick, I appreciate you taking the time, buddy. It's been fun here this hour talking with you. All right, Nick, I appreciate it, man. All right. I hope you take care. Yep, you too. Well, that's going to do it here with Episode 16 of the Cherokee Rewind. Big thanks to Nick Nappy down there in Florida, and we thank you for tuning in as well. Don't forget, you can consume this podcast by subscribing. You can go to podbean.com and put in Cherokee Rewind or wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's iHeart, whether it's TuneIn, Spotify. You can do through any of those, and you can put in Cherokee Rewind in the search bar, and it'll pop it up for you. And so, oh, don't forget Stitcher and uh, Deezer as well. So uh, we appreciate it. And again, for Nick, I am Mick saying so long, and we'll talk to you again next time when you tune in for the Cherokee Rewind.